0: For some of you, it might feel like the World Cup's over. It might feel like it ended on Saturday, but it didn't. It continues on. It's been an amazing tournament. The stars are shining bright. But unfortunately for the United States, the World Cup is over for the U.S. Men's National Team. And it it was a disappointing way to go out. Not surprising, but it was always going to be disappointing because this team... As young as it is and as promising as it is, you always knew that it it would hit a wall at a certain point. It would hit a point where they wouldn't be good enough. They wouldn't be experienced enough. And they'd go up against a team with quality, real quality. And that happened on Saturday. So we'll get into that. Dutch national team 3-1 win. Netherlands moves on to face Argentina, high-profile quarterfinal. And I know for a lot of US fans, it's a tough pill to swallow because it wasn't their best performance by any means. And I think that's the toughest part for for the players. You saw the dejection. And and look, there's never happy faces after an elimination, right? There's never, never, you know, smiles and, and dancing when you lose, but... Sometimes when you see a team that gave their all, that you know did everything they could do, played up to their full potential, and you and you still lose, you can walk away with your your head high, right? You can walk away with your chest out, feeling like, listen, we did what we we did what we could do. We went up against a better team, and that happens. As much as soccer is a sport where the best team doesn't always win, when you get to these big competitions. The best teams tend to, to step up. They tend to rise to the occasion, especially knockout rounds when the money's on the line. Obviously, the group stage has shown us in this World Cup that anything is possible on a given day. Saudi Arabia can beat Argentina. Costa Rica can beat Japan that beat Spain and Germany. I mean, things like that, right? I mean, it's been that kind of World Cup. But things change in the knockout rounds. The pressure gets greater the great players get more focused. And, and we, saw that, we saw that in the Dutch national team against the Americans. And there's plenty. Of, there's always blame to go around when, it, when the team gets eliminated, especially the U.S. national team. Never fails. And you know who's front and center on that, Greg Berhalter. Greg Berhalter will, was always going to be the fall guy. He was always going to be the, the, the one who, who some fans are going to point to for why this team is out. And look, he didn't have the best uh, performance as a coach in a game, right? You can say he was outcoached by Louis Van Hal, who, by the way, is one of the you know, legends of the game in terms of managers. But it was not about Greg Berhalter's tactics. Could, could he have had better tactics? Could he have had some uh, better lineup selections? Could, yeah, absolutely. Could it have been a closer game? Yes. Absolutely, 100%. Those criticisms are are 100% fair. But when you use those kind of points to just ignore the reality that the Dutch team, that Dutch team was a better team. And to beat a team that's better than you, you have to have your best day, they have to have a bad day. Neither of those things happened on Saturday. Neither happened. The Dutch were better. They had a solid game plan. And that's the thing about, as far as this, the whole out-coaching thing, Louis Van Hall is a brilliant manager. Louis Van Hall has a stacked team. You take a brilliant manager with a stacked team, he's going to lay out a game plan, and it's going to work against an inferior team, unless that inferior team just plays out of their minds. This U.S. team did not do that. So I think it's, it's, it's kind of become an easy narrative to say, Louis Van Hall out-coached Greg Berhalter, that's why the game finished the way it did. No. It's not why the game finished the way it did. It finished the way it did because the Dutch team are a better team. They play to their full potential. Now you can say, oh, well, you have to blame Berhalter for the U.S. not playing to, for the, to the full potential. And you can always say that, true. But here's the question. If both teams play to their full potential, who wins? Dutch win. They do. Closer game, competitive. And this U.S. team was competitive. I'll give them that in this game. They didn't now play the Dutch. Let's not fall into that trap. I saw a lot of that. You start getting caught up in possession stats and shots stats. And here's the very simple explanation to the game. If you give up an early goal to a very good team, a strong team that's comfortable and it's willing to let you sit and make mistakes. You can have a lot of the ball. You can even take a lot of shots. But it doesn't mean the opponent was ever in danger. And that's really What dictates and what determines the better team, quote unquote, better team. And unfortunately for Greg Berhalter and unfortunately for some of his players, they fell into that trap. Hey, we had all the possession. We had all the shots. We had we had we had more shots. We had more this. You gave up a goal in the 10th minute. The Dutch team were in cruise control from then on. Now, look, the U.S. had their chance in the beginning. Christian Pulisic, third minute. Clear look at goal. The kind of chance you need to put away to pull off the upset. And I'm not here to pile on Christian Pulisic because I thought he had a good tournament. And I, feel like, I really feel like he, he has grown up as a player on the national team and as a leader on the national team. Like, I give him credit. I have not always been his biggest opponent. But he has grown up. And I say that because I saw a player who, time and again in this tournament, you saw pushing as hard as he could really really trying to drive this team and that you know I, I, not to get on the whole Christian Pulisic side, like detour uh and tangent but which I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit but I just wanted to say like I for me he grew up and we're gonna and if we want to talk about positives with this tournament and we're gonna get into the tournament as a whole in a little bit but Christian Pulisic for me it has it, like he impressed me in this world cup on the field off the field I think he he grew up and he had to grow up and not every team's not every national team star player has that maturity has that, uh, you know, willingness to to deal with all responsibilities, whether it's post game interviews or whether it's really driving the team when it's losing. Like he, he, just, he just showed me a lot. So, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more later. I don't want to get kind of too detoured here because I just want to really focus on the game itself. The U.S. looked tired. And if you want to talk about Greg Berhalter and, and blaming him, uh, if he gets blame, let me be clear here. This episode of the SBI show is not the why it wasn't Greg's fault episode. Uh, that's not at all what it is because he does get a share, a share of the blame. He could have rotated his squad better. Too many minutes for a midfield that played great in this tournament. Played great. Group stage, They that Tyler Adams, Yunus Musa, Weston McKinney, that trio, very good group stage, started all three matches, actually started all four matches. But at a certain point, you really run the risk of leaving them tired in a match you don't want them to be tired in. And I think this Netherlands match was that match. And it's and look, it's 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 not it's tough, right? If you're Greg Halter, imagine that you're you're the head coach. It's easy to say, oh, well, if I was the head coach, I would have started, you know, Brennan Aronson against England. would and, that, and that's where you can kind of be critical. And I would agree. You needed to look at the tournament as a whole. And really consider some change, some moves that you have to make just to rotate the numbers. And that's, that requires tough decisions. That requires tough choices. Brendan Aronson should have started at least a match in this, in this tournament. It's crazy that he didn't start at least one match in this tournament, considering the form that he's in. And I know we can say, we can argue, and it can be argued that, look, we're not at training. We don't know what's going on. We don't know how they look, this, that, fine. But he was the first sub off the bench every single game, so it couldn't have been that far off, right? Like his form, anyone who watched Premier League, Brendan Aronson, you, had to argue, you could argue, was in the best form of any player, U.S. player, club form. Definitely top two or three. So for him not to start a single match in a tournament where the schedule is so tight, it's just, for me, it was setting yourself up to trot out a tired team. Against your toughest opponent. And that's just not a good recipe. And I think we saw that. We saw a tired U.S. midfield. And, and, and the, the calling card of this team was the midfield. The calling card of this team's World Cup group stage was how good the midfield was. How, how they covered ground. How they smothered opponents. How they just didn't let opponents do anything. I mean, the U.S. midfield outplayed England's midfield. Jude, they made Jude Bellingham look ordinary. And Jude Bellingham is looking like Superman right now. Jude Bellingham just tore apart Senegal right now. He's probably going to go for $100 million plus if anyone can afford the price tag that Dortmund's going to want to ask for. But if you're the manager, if you're the head coach, you have to look at this tournament as a whole and really ask yourself, okay, where can we rotate? Where can we? I mean, you're not talking about a huge drop-off, right? Between Musa McKinney and Brendan Aronson. And I feel like you needed to do that. And it cost them. It cost them in that game. It cost them in the Netherlands game. The U.S. midfield was tired. And it's so tough. It's easier said than done. I get it. How do you take Tyler Adams off the field at any point in this tournament? Best player. Best U.S. player. Not a question. The best U.S. player at this World Cup. But how do you, get, how do you take him off the field at any point? It's tough. There, for, as far as Tyler Adams goes, that, that, there's too much of a drop-off. No offense to Kellen Costa. No offense to whoever you would consider putting there. He always was going to play, have to play every minute. And Tyler Adams looked a little tired. So he was. It, it, so it's not even about him as much as, well, you could have got more fresh legs around him. You could have got Brendan, Ar- Brendan Aronson in the lineup. You could have gotten Gio in the starting lineup. And that's another one that. As much as, look, he came on against the Netherlands. He didn't do much. He, he forced things. He didn't look the best. He didn't look sharpest. He obviously was desperate. He was playing with a desperation that did not, does not suit him. But if we're going to have a checklist of, of things that Greg Berhalter could have done better, the managing of Gio Reyna was one of them. It's not even close. That, he, he is too talented a player to not play more than he did. And I get that Tim Weah played well. I get that Tim Weah was in very good form, was fully fit. And I also get that Berhalter probably never in his wildest dreams envisioned that, you know what, I'll have a healthy Weah and a healthy Reina at the World Cup, given the injury issues that they both had over the past year or two. But once you have them, figure it out, get them on the field and... and, and, it's a tough one. I, I, I don't. I don't envy head coaches. That's but they look. That's why they get the big bucks to, to make the tough decisions and to make the right decisions. And when it came down to it, Berhalter stuck with his strikers: Josh Sargent, how'd you Wright, Jesus Ferreira. Instead of figuring out a way to put a lineup on the field that got you Giorena and Timway on the field, that's what he needed to do, and that's what he didn't do. And I'll give him Josh Sargent. Josh Sargent played well. I thought Josh Sargent played well. Thought he played well in the first game. He had a hand, he had a hand in the buildup on, on the Wales goal, on the goal against Wales. He should have had a couple of assists in the Iran game if, if Tim Weah had been a bit sharper. I thought, I thought Sargent played well. Haji Wright, not too much. And look, he scores against the Dutch, so he'll always have that, right? He'll always have that fluky goal to hang his hat on. But he didn't look great. And Jesus Ferreira was a ghost. And in fairness to Ferreira, it's a tough one. And then this is another one. The whole MLS uh, season ending early, players having practically a month off before they came in. You can't tell me that didn't impact the entire M- the, the MLS section of this team. The MLS contingent in this team did not play anywhere near their levels. Walker Zimmerman did not play anywhere near his best level. I don't want to say he played terribly, but he did things and he made mistakes, and he, he, he showed a level that wasn't what we saw in qualifying. Jesus Ferreira comes on first game in a month, looked like he was invisible. So that's a, that's a tough one, and and you can tell Berhalter clearly lean toward the european-based players and and you know in most cases they're the better player but it almost seemed like he went out of his way not to play mls players because and it had to be that gap the sharpness not there aaron long didn't play jordan morris sprinkling of minutes kellen lacosta who had the longest run and you know won an mls cup so he was come he had the shortest gap of time off he came right in but you have to wonder what part that played and again we're talking tough decisions right you have to wonder if at any point Greg Berhalter thought about it and said, you know what, it's with these MLS guys in the gaps in the schedule. I don't know if I can bring them. And I'm sure that would have been a, like, how do you do that? How do you not bring Walker Zimmerman when he was such an important part of the qualifying and had become such a leader on the team? How do you not bring him? He was your best center back in qualifying. How do you go from he's your best center back in qualifying to you don't make it? You're not one of the four. Not easy. Jesus Ferreira. Jesus Ferreira had become the U.S. team starting striker. How do you go from he's your starting striker to, no, we're not bringing him. So it's not easy. It's not easy. But it is something that made things much, I think, made things much tougher. And I know the anti-MLS contingent will eat that up and say, ah, see, you should have about all European-based guys. But I understand why he brought those, why he brought those players. And when you saw the performances, it definitely didn't help. But in terms of Berhalter, it's easy to look at that game and put it on him, and he had a part to play. But at the end of the day, your players need to perform. Your players need to finish. Your players need to handle simple defensive assignments. And that didn't happen in that game. Anthony Robinson, I thought he had a great tournament in the group stage. He had a shocker. And definitely, you can point to the the tactics. You can say, oh, well, Burhalter set him up to fail. I don't know. Like, you can, that's such an easy one because you could just scapegoat the coach for anything. But is it really up to a coach to tell a player, hey, don't ignore the entire third of the field behind you for a minute? Like Robinson did in a third goal. Or, you know, Switch off right before halftime, which we saw players do on the second goal, the killer second goal for the Dutch. So, I mean, I look at those things and those are that's players. I'm all for coaches getting their share of the blame. But this is but it's been a thing forever and not just in the US, every country. It's easy to blame just the coach. It's easy to say, you know what? It's his fault. It's not our team's fault. It's not our player's fault. It's not our player pool's fault. It's the coach's fault. Because if, we, if, if not for the coach, our team would be amazing. If not for the coach, our team would beat everybody. If not for the coach, our team would be the team with way more talent and a legendary coach. I mean, let's, let's be real, people. That's not reality. And, and, and it's not just the U.S. I mean, Mexico, we see it with Mexico, too, because right now Tata Martino has, you know, he's already gotten fired. And look, he didn't do a great. He didn't do a good job. I mean, not to sit here and defend Tata Martino, because I, I, I've never fully been on the Tata Tata Martino hype train. But um, it wasn't just Tata. That program is a mess. It's not Tata's fault that the the talent pool is is, is weak right now in Mexico. Could he have done better with that team? Yes. Could he have? Did he make some decisions that were head scratchers? Yes. Edson Alvarez not starting against Argentina, like what in the hell, Tata? What was that? But as much as yes, Tata had a bad tournament. But to ignore everything else going on in Mexico and and, and the flaws, that's just it's, it's been going on forever. And I'm so I'm here. I'm here to say, it's okay for you to blame or to give part of the blame to Berhalter. Just don't give it all to Berhalter because. Guess what, folks? He actually did a good job in terms of what he was hired to do in and this in rebuilding this program, integrating a new generation. Getting them to believe, getting them to buy in, getting them to come together. And when I see this team. And, you know, I've been here, I've been in Qatar the whole time and just watching this. These guys watching them be together, watching them play together, train together, and and see how it is, and see the the, the closeness. I mean, I got to be honest, it's 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 a this is for me the closest group that I've seen in the U.S. set up, probably since 2002. I mean, you could you know what? In fairness, in 2010 they had a good group in the lead up, and obviously there were issues. Charlie Davies has his accident, will gets sidelined. Stu Holden gets injured. Before those things, that, that team, the 2010 World Cup qualifying cycle team, could have been something special. And then just the worst of luck with Davies, Oneyewu and Holden. That was a pretty good group. That was a pretty closely knit group. But 2002, they, there was a chemistry there. There was a closeness there. That I hadn't. I gotta I, be honest. I don't feel like I have seen since then. And this group, I think, has it. This young group has it. And it was never going to be easy to bring together a team with so many young players and so little national team experience. And, to, and when I say little, I mean in the sense of, for so long and for every almost every major national team, you've got some key veterans. You've got some hundred cappers, you've got some eighty cappers, you've got some people who are all-time scoring leaders, some you know people that have been around, people that had played in World Cups and and this group didn't have that. so for Berltar to put this group together, integrate some veterans and and get this young team to buy in, I mean, I think he did that. he succeeded in that. so that's why for me, I think overall he did he did the job he was hired to do. Would it have been better if he got them one more step, one step further? Yes. Agreed. Absolutely. It would have been amazing. But does his overall performance go from good to failure based on losing to a better team in the Netherlands? No, it doesn't. You have to judge him on everything that he's done with qualifying the team, winning Nations League, winning Gold Cup, beating Mexico dominating Mexico uh, not the 2019 I'm pretty sure the well there was a friendly in 2019 not since 2019 has the U.S. lost to Mexico after that Gold Cup loss after that ugly friendly loss three nil in Jersey I remember back then people wanted wanted uh, Berhalter's head when you take the body work you take what he did with this group I thought he did a good job I think he did well but now it's an entirely different question about whether he should continue. And that's, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. Trust me, we're going to get into that. But I just want to wrap up the game itself. The Netherlands played well. They managed the game. Most importantly, they finished their chances. And I know Greg Berhalter got so much flack for his, uh, we don't have a Memphis Depay statement. And he didn't lie. There is no striker in the U.S. setup as good as Memphis Depay. Sorry to break it to you. And you can show me your Christian Pulisic stats and how Christian Pulisic uh, has better stats than Depay and Champions League or what have you. That, look, we're talking strikers. We're talking someone who the ball comes to him in a big spot, in a big game, and he can finish because he's been there, because he's played internationally enough to to make that chance count. Depay is better than any striker the U.S. has right now, or has ever had, you could argue. That's fair. Should he have said that? You know, that's... He was just being honest, but it definitely opened the door because at that point, it's like, oh, now you want to talk about strikers. You should have brought different strikers. And I'm sorry to tell you, folks, Jordan Pog Jordan is not killing Mbappe. Jordan Pifak is not Richarlison. Jordan Pog is not anyone. People, Some people seem to now think he is. The guy had a great month, first month in the Bundesliga when he joined Union Berlin, and he cooled off. He is not the end-all, be-all. People, have people really forgotten the Azteca? And the chance, the golden chance to beat Mexico in Mexico, in Azteca. People were going bananas at the miss that, he, that G Arena served on a platter. Jordan Pifak, the chance to deliver the win in Azteca. Have people really forgotten that? Like, come on. And, not, and, that, and again, this isn't to say, oh, you missed that chance. You should never be part of the national team. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. When did he become the world beater because he had a good month followed by a very cold month and a half. So I, I don't know. That one's been kind of irking me a little because it's just like, look, you can say what you want. You can say Ricardo Pepe, the Haji Wright And, and I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. That's how it goes. It's always been that it's always, oh, you know, if only this other player had been there, if only this other player had played, if only Joe Scally had played instead of Shaq Moore, the games would have been different. Oh, really? I'll, I'll be the first to say, hey, I, you know what? Do I think Joe Scally's better than Shaq Moore? Yes. Could he have played? Yes. Do I, am I watching training to see how they look in training? No. Do I think Scally makes the difference for them winning these games? And no, I don't. I don't think Shaq Moore cost them a single game as much as, you know what? He, he did something. He didn't look great. But I don't know. I just—it's just a nitpicking. It—it it is what it look. Everyone can can do what they want. You can say what you want. You can play what you want. I'm here to say, you know, take a step back, and try to look at the big, the, the whole picture, and and understand that yes, you can blame burhalter, you can blame Pulisic, you can blame Jesus Ferreira. You can blame Walt Walker Zimmerman. You can blame Anthony Robinson. There's a, not, there's a lot of blame to go around, but at the end of the day, the group didn't play well enough against a team that was better. Anything else, you're being delusional about. If you don't understand that the Dutch are a better team with, with highly skilled players all over the field, Denzel Dumfries is one of the best fullbackslash slash wingbacks in the world. Sergio Dest is coming along. He's a nice player. He had a good World Cup. He's probably going to stay at Milan now. Dem- Dumfries is better. Newsflash. He's better. He's worth two and a half times more than Sergio Dest. He has delivered in big tournaments before. In the Euros. Big games. Virgil Van Dijk. Need I say more? He's miles better than any American defender. Frankie De Jong. As good as the U.S. midfield is. Frankie De Jong. Different class. So... While it's just natural, and 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 I, this is one thing I will say is, and, and apologies for not getting the SBI show out sooner, but I, I I needed to digest this game and the the whole thing. There was there were also some logistical issues for me here in terms of moving. I had to move to a, to a new apartment and all that, so it was a lot of issues. But I didn't want to rush out an episode, and that's I know that's the thing these days. You, you want to be quick, rush something out, and I, and I get it. People can do that. I'm not saying it's wrong. But I kind of wanted to give it some time, let it marinate a little bit and really kind of digest it all. And have the chance to kind of discuss it. So, you know, uh, apologies for the delay and hopefully the wait was worth it. But I definitely did want to bring you all some of the sounds from the post match just so you can hear, because it's one thing to read the articles. It's one thing to read the words of, uh, of the players. And there were some I got to tell you, there were some impressive, impressive words, some impressive statements from some of the veterans. Tim Ream, Tim Ream class. I mean, when I tell you the guy's class act and that's not new, that's not news to me. I've known him since he was a rookie at the Red Bulls, covered him, got to know him pretty well. Solid guy. And he's really just matured into a, a just unbelievable human being. And it it was really great to see him kind of realize his dream and not just realize the dream of making it to a World Cup, but to actually play extremely well. One of the best U.S. players at the World Cup, period, hands down. A player who three months ago, some U.S. fans, a lot of U.S. fans would would have thought, no chance. He's not making this team. Not only did he make the team, he started and was amazing. And then after the match, he, uh, you know, it clear, he's clearly emotional because this is it for him, right? He's what, thirty-five? Like he, it's he's done with the international scene, but he got to experience it, and he he gave a truly, truly heartfelt and truly amazing comment on the World Cup.
1: We were were prepared to to win. They prepared us in, in the best possible way. Um, we, you know. Played four very, very good games. Um, didn't do a whole lot wrong. Um, and, yeah, I, I just think as a group, um, top to bottom, uh, management down, uh, it, it was a very unified group, and, and that's what, what people need to see. Um, forget everything else. You know, guys guys played for each other, um, you know, until the very last whistle. You're never guaranteed anything in, in this game. Um, you know, I was been in the program for 12 years. Um you know and, and never never guaranteed anything. Um obviously a lot of these guys are are, are guaranteed another world cup. Um and you know for me that, that's <laughs> that's not not going to happen. Um and, and so you know trying to convey to to treat each and every training session um as if it was their last each and every game as if it was their last if if they could you know tomorrow um, if it all, you know, finished and, and their career was done, would, would they be happy with it? Um, and I can honestly say if, if that was the case for me, um, you know, yes, um, I've, I've given it everything. And, and I hope I hope these guys, you know, take that advice um, because I think it's it's something that's important. Um, you know, not taking anything for granted. And, and you know, I, I've seen uh, I've seen them take that advice in, in this, you know, the, these, these three weeks that, that we've been together. So, yeah, I just hope, I hope, uh, you know, they, they continue to do that.
0: And Reem wasn't the only veteran to really bring some valuable insight and some just just kind of beautiful emotion to the end of the whole thing. And DeAndre Edlin, the one player on this team who would played in the World Cup before this, I mean, to watch him grow up, to watch, to, to have seen the evolution of DeAndre Edlin, as an individual, not just as not, not as a player, because look, obviously he he had a great run in Europe. He's in MLS now. He's in Miami. He's a dad now. But just hearing him put it all into perspective uh, and really kind of shed light into into where the state of the program is now, because I mean, who else on this team has a better understanding of where where the team has come from? To so where the team is now, than DeAndre Ellen, right? I mean, he played the one guy played in 2014 World Cup, turned it into a springboard to go to Europe. But point is, he was there. He saw that setup. He saw that World Cup. He was there. He was with the team then. He lived the next cycle, and now here he is to see the end of this one. And it's you know, it chances are it's it's he's he's 29 now. There are a lot of fullbacks in the pipeline. So you know what? It's probably the end of the road for him. Pretty if it if it isn't yet, it soon will be. But you know what? He's fine with it. His perspective on things, I got to say, really eye opening. This team is giving a lot of people
2: hope. Um, you know, I think people see the talent on this team and they get excited. I think the camaraderie with this team is, exci- uh, is exciting. And I think, you know, as a group, we built a culture. Um, you know, there's going to be some guys um, that won't be a part of the next one. There's going to be some people that leave the group. Um, but we've built a foundation and a culture um, that, you know, if guys. You know don't fit in to that culture then you probably won't be with the group and the culture is you know it's a it's a very good very cohesive it's a it's a brotherhood so uh, i'm really proud of uh, that culture that we built i think it's a step forward um you know i think you things happen for a reason and you look at 2018 and you know we didn't qualify and people ask why well i think if you qualify in 2018 this group that we have right now isn't brought together and then 2008 or this happens right now people are asking why i don't know why it happened like this or, you know, what will come in the future, but I'm sure uh, at some point it will all make sense. I think the hardest thing as a coach is to get everybody going in the same direction. I think he's done that very well. Um, He's gotten everybody bought into the culture, and that's the most important thing. Uh, You know, you hear a lot of uh, talk about vibes with this team, and, you know, people like to joke about it, but at the end of the day, I think that could be this team's biggest quality is that, you know, we always... We're always positive, um, you know. We're always, you know, looking forward, and you know, even when there's quote-unquote bad moments, um, you know, we're able to put perspective with it, perspective on it, and move forward. The biggest thing is the group learn you know, what it feels like to lose in a World Cup, um, and that goes a long way. You know, uh, you look at a lot of, at a lot of these guys. Well, everybody besides myself and nobody had played in a World Cup before. Now you're going to the next one, and pretty much everybody in that group probably will have played in a world cup so now it's a whole different story now they know that feeling of what it's like to lose um you know after you know putting so much into it and or the feeling of defeat you know from the past um can only fuel success in the future
0: the post game interviews are always tough after elimination game but you have to give credit to the players who step up and speak and i'm not sitting here i'm not going to sit here and criticize players who don't speak because it's not easy i get it it's not easy but for some players, the, the high profile players, the star players, the players that the fans look to, those players need this. You know, it, 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 they need to step up. They need to address not us, not me as a media, like me as a journalist. It's not like oh, you need to talk to me because you 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 have to talk to me because I need to be spoken to. It's not about that. I'm gonna be fine. I'm gonna wake up the next day. I'm gonna be good if you don't talk to me. But the fans want to hear from you. Your fans want to hear what you have to say. That's the whole point of the whole thing. So after the match, the players that step up and speak, they get my, they get my props. They, get, they deserve props because especially after big, tough losses or especially after, you know, if you're a player and you have like a shocker of a game. And you step up and you face the music, that takes a certain level of fortitude and class and, and, and just It's just not everyone has it, is the point. And not everyone gets it. But credit to Christian Polisic, who, to be fair, Christian Polisic's never been the biggest fan of interviews. He's never been the biggest fan of the media stuff. But he's done it. He did it in this World Cup. He understood look, I am the face of this team. The country is watching. Millions and millions are watching. Casuals are watching. People who are just starting to get interested in soccer are watching. They know who I am. They want to hear from me. The diehards want to hear from me. And even though he was absolutely shattered, absolutely heartbroken after that loss, Christian Pulisic spoke. And you can and and it it isn't just about that. He spoke, but like it allows you to see and hear and feel the emotion and what it meant to him. For anyone who doesn't think this means something to these players i tell you what, you listen to Christian Pulisic, you understand full well just how much this meant to him.
3: It hurts right now, for sure. I think there was plenty in the tank. Um, Yeah, I I, I think they had a good game plan and they executed, but I thought we had, you know, I thought we had chances, uh, you know, we were right in the game and I I thought we were good enough. You know, I I thought I was, you know, way offside when it happened, but I still, I still hit it, you know, and. And he made a good save, uh, so of course, yeah, it's gonna hurt for a while. Christian, do you think you guys have made significant progress over the past uh, for you, like from where you, where you were pre Greg Berhalter? Clearly, I mean, you know, we didn't qualify for the last World Cup, and here we are in the you know round of 16. Uh, we've definitely come a long way. Um, like I said, right now it's just tough to you know it hurts after a tough loss like that when we feel like we could have could have had more.
0: Feel like a to build on. Yeah,
3: absolutely. It's, you know, it's another experience for all all these guys, and uh, you know, there's for sure moments that we can we can be proud of, um, but we don't want to you know feel like this again, and we want to you know you know put ourselves in a position to win tournaments like this. I mean, a, you know, an amazing experience for everyone. Um, to play in a World Cup. It's an honor to represent, you know, our country. (sighs) Just like I said, right now
0: it's tough. And uh, it was an emotional scene, no no doubt, and and Christian Pulisic wasn't the only player who who you could tell was – Really shattered by it, Tyler Adams. And Tyler Adams, you want to talk about someone who gained fans in the World Cup? Tyler Adams really, For the, it, it's just interesting because obviously, again, another player who I've, I've followed since his first days at the Red Bulls. And, and you could tell early on that he was something special. But he, on this international global stage, on and off the field, wowed people. And it was great to see. It was great to see. And so it was not at all surprising that after this tough, tough loss, he would be the first one you know to step up, speak to the media, and and really try to put things in perspective
2: after after reflecting for that for that quick moment, you know, you could just really sit here and I think it's probably the first time in a long time where people will say, Wow, this team—this team has something special, you know. I mean, there's so many ups and downs in the past three years, and then when you put four performances like that out on the field, it really gives people something to be excited about. Uh, the potential of the group—potential is just potential, but you could see that, you know, if we maximize it in the right way, that it could be something good. I, I wasn't on 2010 team, I wasn't on 2014 team, so I can't sit here and, and judge obviously the potential of those teams. But I mean, being the second youngest team in, in the World Cup and getting the same result is result.
0: so now this team moves on and and. What's going to happen next? Is Greg Berhalter the guy? Will he be the coach going forward? And what I'd say is it could happen. And if it happens, it's not a travesty. It's not, you can call it a mistake. You can say, you know what? Is it right? Is it, do you want a coach who wasn't that experienced on the international level getting a second cycle when second cycles aren't even great necessarily for like established good, you know, top notch managers? That's a fair question. That's a very fair question. And I'd argue that the other question is, if you're Greg Berhalter, do you want to do this again? Because it's not its not a young man's job, to be honest. Because there's a lot of downtime. there, And, and this next cycle, there is no World Cup qualifying. The U.S. is hosting the next World Cup. So this next cycle is going to be a tough one for whoever is in charge. And if you're Greg Berhalter, who... You know, you've now had this experience, which I have to say, I'll say it again. It was a success. And it, it and this isn't the first time that we've seen this where, you know, right now you have a lot of fans or you have a vocal segment of fans who who think Greg, Greg Brawler did a bad job. But I can promise you, I can promise you the international soccer community thinks he did a great job. And that's not the first time that's happened. We've seen it before where U.S. Co- coaches have been just absolutely butchered. uh, by fans in, on social media or, or, inter, or in articles by media. But yet the international community is like, oh, they did great. What are you talking about? This is, you know, this, this team did well beyond what we would expect that this team showed so much. And, and this has happened before and, it, and it's happening again. So he will have his opportunities, I believe. Will that be in Europe? Will he go back to MLS? Point is, Greg Berhalter will have a job in three months. Now, will it be as a club manager or will it be as national team coach? And as of right now, I mean, if you ask me, I think U.S. soccer, I would think, I would imagine it would be more inclined to offer him a new contract. I believe that. Because I think they will look at the progress. They will look at the reconstruction job. They will look at the trophies. They will look at this group stage performance and say, you know what? You did a great job. Young coach, young international coach, not much experience. And that's something I'd like to point out as much as there was plenty of, of warranted skepticism about the process that led to him being hired. And that's completely fair. You can say, okay, wait a minute. How thorough a job was it? Was he always the guy? Was it a sham of a, of a search process? Was was it, was it, was it always set up for him to be the coach? You can get into all that. Fine. But the, Main question was, could he do the job? And obviously the big doubt was that maybe he couldn't do the job because there was no track record to suggest he could do the job. Well, now he did the job. He had the job. He put the team together. They qualified for the World Cup. They won multiple trophies. They beat Mexico multiple times. They beat Mexico twice in finals, in full stadiums where there were more Mexican fans. These are moments. Let's not forget this now. These are like amazing moments. It's been a good three years. Let's be. Let's put it in perspective here. If you're a U.S. fan, think about the last three years. How good of the last three years has it been when you think about it? Think of a better three-year run for U.S. fans. Think. Let, let, let's... Let's think about it. I'd, I'd argue uh, t- 2007 to 2010 was was right there, right? You had the 07 Gold Cup final. You had the 09 Confederations Cup run. You had uh, you know qualifying for the World Cup. I'm pretty sure they finished first in 2010, I want to say. You had the 09 Gold Cup, but that was a B team. But that that's, for me, the last time you had this, this good a run for the U.S. team. Nations League win, Gold Cup win, qualifying win against Mexico. So for me, I thought he did a great job. I thought he did a very, very good job. The World Cup, obviously, is a big part of your grade, right? So what did he do at the World Cup? I thought he did well. I thought he, he, put, he put the team together. The group stage went well. Could it have gone better? It can always go better. He didn't, he, it wasn't a, he didn't bowl a 300. He didn't pitch a perfect game. No. But I thought he did well. did he make some mistakes? I believe he did. Could he have rotated his squad better? I think he should have he could have. Should he have gotten rain on the field more? I think he should have. Was it the perfect roster that he chose? No, it wasn't the perfect roster. but in terms of overall, good job. So we'll see. we'll see if they give him the job. We'll see if he wants the job and if the and the bigger question is, Who replaces him if he isn't going to keep the job or if they aren't going to offer him the job? Who replaces him? And it's easy to throw names together. It's easy to just think this is a game of football manager, the game, the video game. And just start rattling off, uh, you know, names of every big name European coach like that's just so lazy, so lazy. And I got to say, I'm not even going to get on the soapbox, but it's just amazing to me that look, the, the. the good and the bad about about social media, the good and the bad about the, uh, about the ability for people to express opinions is that it's amazing how just random people will all of a sudden portray themselves as experts who are just regular schmoes. And all I would say is if you're looking for people to inform you, look for people to inform you. Don't just look for people who say what you want to hear. Don't just look for people who say what you, you think. Look for people who make you think. There's not enough of that. There's not enough of that these days. And that's a whole side note. That's a whole tangent I could go on. But I just wanted to get into that a little bit. And I wanted to pass along these interviews, these postgame interviews, just so people could hear them, because I thought they were very, uh, very insightful. But that but that's it for now. I will have another episode tomorrow where I'll dig in a little more. I just wanted to get this first one out because I know it's a couple days late and, and apologies for that. Uh, some stuff out of my control on that, but I was able to get this one out. I wanted to share some thoughts, some views, and I'll get more into the rest of the World Cup. It's not all about the U.S. national team. I mean, I'm here. I'm I'm going to these matches, and I'll definitely give you some insight on that because I'm sure you you know if you're listening, you might you're interested in the rest of the World Cup as well. It's not over because the U.S. is out, so I will get into the rest of the World Cup as well. Uh, I'll dig in. I'll dig more into the how the players performed. I'm gonna I, I'm I'm writing an article uh, that'll be on SBI with the player grades, how the players performed for the tournament. And I think you all know who the top performers were. I think you all know who struggled, but we'll get into that a bit more next episode as well. And we'll start looking a little bit to the future, see who some of the young names are. So we will have episodes and it'll be a little easier for me to get get back to the consistent daily routine. So look out for that as well, but definitely thank you for listening. And uh, feel free to share some uh, thoughts and insight and suggestions, what you'd like to hear. I'll probably try to have a Q&A as well. Um, so look out for that uh, on SBISoccer.com. Uh, a, a Q&A. I'll throw, some, uh, I'll throw a post up. People can put questions up and I'll answer them on, on one of the next episodes. But that's all for now. From here in Qatar, I'm Ivy Colarset. This is the SBI Show.